0: forgive anyone who offends you. That's Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. We've been learning from the life of Joseph in the series Living with Integrity. Today, the message is about forgiveness. We'll see evidence that Joseph has forgiven his brothers and reflect on the steps he took to rebuild their relationship. Here's associate care pastor Josh Masters. Good
1: morning, Brookwood. I know what some of you are thinking. That doesn't look like Perry. That guy is too short, too round, and he's got better hair. And I'm disappointed that you people would think like that. Perry's a little bit under the weather today, so he
2: asked me. have the
1: plan of the Holy Spirit from the beginning of time, so we move forward together, right? We move forward uh, in our survey of the life of Joseph from the book of Genesis, and I love Joseph. Joseph is one of my favorite people in Scripture, so I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited that we get to share this moment together, and we're going to talk today about forgiveness. As we continue in the story of Joseph's life, we talk about forgiveness. So, if this doesn't go well you got to forgive me. And, and I'll teach you how. I will teach you how.
2: ...to be forgiven.
1: task. And the English word for forgive, and there are several words in Greek, but the one that's here refers to dealing graciously with someone. Maybe more importantly, it means to release or let loose, to set free, like from prison. And it has a connotation of being specifically tied to actions that cause emotional pain. We are called to forgive others because we have been forgiven. And when we truly understand the forgiveness that we've been offered from Jesus Christ, then we have a desire to free others. We have a desire to offer forgiveness. But remember, we've also been talking, and uh, Perry talked about a few weeks ago, that reconciliation has to happen when both people are willing to change and examine themselves. But we're all called to forgive. Because when we live in a world of unforgiveness, when we feel trapped by unforgiveness, then we've put ourselves in a prison. Right? And Joseph, we'll see today, is about to extend forgiveness to his brothers. Now, In the story so far that we've covered over the last several weeks, Joseph has not yet communicated his forgiveness or his acceptance to his brothers. He's been spending time evaluating if the relationship can be reconciled, right? If they have truly repented and if their character has changed.
2: forgiven his brothers
1: even before they arrived from Egypt, right? Isn't it possible that God was already working in his heart and over the last two decades, God had already set him free from that resentment? Because think about it, if he hadn't have already started the process of forgiveness, if God wasn't already working on his heart, why would he not have just thrown his brothers in prison when they first arrived, right? If he was living in resentment, He would have acted on that resentment, right? He would have acted with vengeance. But followers of Yahweh and now followers of Christ are not called to a life of vengeance. We're called to a life of forgiveness. That is our witness to the world. Look at what is happening in this world, in Europe, in America, all around. Does it need hate or does it need compassion? Compassion. That is our witness to the world. So as we read last week, Joseph's silver cup was found in Benjamin's bag. And the brothers returned to the city. That was Genesis 44, 12 through 13. And Benjamin was about to become a slave and lose his life, potentially. But that's when Judah, the same brother who had condemned Joseph, stepped forward on Benjamin's behalf. Do you remember that? Let's review that last verse. Genesis 44, 12 through 13. If you're using the Bible available here at Brookwood, it's on page 41. So this is from last week, but let's just review. Uh, Chapter 44, verse 33. So Benjamin has been quote unquote caught with the silver cup he's about to become imprisoned and become a slave and judah steps in and he says so please my lord let me stay here as a slave instead of the boy let the boy return with his brothers for how can i return to my father if the boy is not with me i couldn't bear to see the anguish this would cause my father That's his plea. That's Judah's plea. Take me. That's a long cry from where he was before. When he was like, let's sell our brother into slavery so he's out of our way. Now his other younger brother's in trouble and he's like, no, take me. Let me take the punishment. Let me be the one. Let him go free. And Joseph's response to Judah reveals elements of forgiveness. And what we should be looking for in a life of forgiveness. So we're going to look at four things today from Genesis 45. Again, we're on page 41 of the Brookwood Bible. So the first thing is this that we see in Joseph's response is that forgiveness includes revealing feelings. Revealing feelings. That's your first feeling. Now, when you first see that, I think, and when I first looked at it, I thought that that meant going and sharing your feelings with the person who has hurt you. But that's not always possible, is it? Sometimes the person who has hurt you has passed away. Sometimes the person who has harmed you is not a safe person to be around. So in reconciliation, yes, sometimes we go and we share and reveal our feelings to the person who has hurt us, but that's not always possible. I think what we're looking at here is rather the necessity for us to reveal our feelings to ourselves, because we are so good at hiding how we really feel about things. We not only hide it from other people, we hide it from ourselves so that we don't even understand what we're feeling. Judah's self-sacrificing plea was spoken out of concern for Benjamin and compassion for his father, Jacob. And that's such a change in character from who he was that it affects Joseph so deeply that he could no longer hold back his emotions. This whole ruse that's been happening to evaluate them, it all is about to break down because the change in Judah's character so affects Joseph that he can no longer deny or push down his true feelings. Genesis 45, verse 1. Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room and he said to his attendants, out all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and he wept. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him. And word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. So Joseph has the attendants, the outsiders, removed from the space. And then he releases this anguished cry his true feelings, and then he revealed his identity. Genesis 45, three. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? That's his first question. But his brothers were speechless and they were stunned. And the word stunned in Hebrew here, it means uh, to tremble inwardly, to be terrified. So they trembled. They were terrified. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Now Joseph had broken down and cried twice before in this story. First time at Genesis 42, 24, he turned away and he wept. And then again, he was overcome by emotion in 43, 30, and he left and wept in a private room. But now... He's revealing his true emotion. He's revealing the truth of how he feels. And he can't control it. Spontaneous emotion is hard to counterfeit. And it confirms the sincerity of what's being spoken. Can you tell the difference between someone who's manufacturing emotion and someone who is truly having an emotional response? Ronnie, you can? Yeah. We can tell that because there's a sincerity in it. For forgiveness to free us from the pain of our past, we have to feel the anguish or the betrayal or the wound or the hurt or the abandonment before we can release the person who did it to us. And sometimes we sort of quickly mumble under our breath, okay, I forgive you, let's move on. And then we stuff the emotions down, right? But that's not forgiveness. That's denial. Like we will use the word forgiveness. We'll say, okay, I forgive you. And what we're really saying is I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to address it. I don't want to have to discuss it, so I just say I forgive you, but then I'm going to push all the emotions deep down inside and I'm going to let it turn into a cancer and I'm going to let it destroy me and I'm going to let it take me over and I'm going to live in silent resentment. And then we will never heal, we will never have God work in our lives or through our lives when we hold on to that resentment. We push our emotions down and deny the pain, claiming that it's better to leave the agony in the past. But it doesn't work. When we do that, we don't heal. So we're continually triggered back to the same place over and over and over again with the same feelings. And every time something small happens that reminds us of the big wound, we get pulled
2: that we've pushed down inside. So let me give you an example of that. Have
1: and now that father is out of your life, you're an adult, but you now have a job where your boss is critical. Not as critical as your father was, but still, he has a critical personality. And every time... He criticizes you every time you don't get the validation from that boss that you desire. It breaks you, not because of him, because it draws you back to the original wound from the validation and the love you didn't get from your father. Tiny paper cuts reopen giant gaping wounds in who you are, in your
2: Because we've not
1: learned to forgive. So the present uncomfortable situation refers us back to the mistreatment that we had in the past. Or the lies that we came to believe about ourselves in the past. See, we need to feel the pain. That seems counterintuitive, but stuffing the pain makes you sick. Feeling the pain lets you heal from it. We need to feel the pain from our past memories and discover what we believe about those situations because that's what stays with us. See, the wounds that you have experienced and the wounds that I've experienced teach us lies about who we are. And they teach us lies about the world, and they even teach us lies about who God is. So we have no perspective because we have a broken lens view of God, we have a broken lens view of the world, and we have a broken lens view of ourselves. And in his perspective on what happened, to get his truth to break through the lie, then we're going to stay stuck. And that's why TPM and Celebrate Recovery are so powerful here at Brookwood Church. Not because they heal you, but because they're a tool that helps us dig up the emotions that we've been hiding, dig up the wounds and say, tell me what the truth is. Tell me who I am. We just sang that beautiful song. I love that song. I am who you say I am. You are not what the people who hurt you tell you you are. You are not the lies that you tell yourself about who you are.
2: You think you are when you look at God because that's a broken view. circumstances in our past
1: through God's eyes and we have to ask God to reveal who he really is not what we think he is we need to ask God for his perspective on what happened to us and to help us change what we believe and then we have freedom Now, sometimes we refuse to give forgiveness in that brokenness. We refuse to give forgiveness because we think we're holding the person who hurt us accountable. Making them responsible for the actions that they take. But we're not holding them accountable. They've moved on. They are not, the person who hurt you, listen to me, the person who hurt you is not lying in bed awake every night hoping you forgive them. You're allowing them to continue hurting you by holding on to it. And then we think, if I forgive, they'll get away with it. If I forgive them, they're going to get away with what they've done to me. No, they're not. Because God's a holy God. And all of us will be held accountable. They will be accountable for what they did to you, and you will be accountable for what you have done to others. God is holy, and God is just, and it will be addressed. But that's not for you. Are you I'm going way off script now. Are you, you guys know Ephesians 6 where it talks about the armor of God? And that's God's armor, right? What are some of the pieces? Breastplate of righteousness, Breastplate of righteousness. Sword, of the sword of the spirit. This group's doing great. Belt <laughs> of truth, helmet of, helmet of salvation. Of salvation. Right, this is the armor of God. It's not our. It's not our armor. It's His armor that He gives to us to wear. So I bring that up because of this. That armor, did you know, is also described in the book of Isaiah. But instead of us wearing it, is a description of the Lord wearing it, the Messiah. And when it's described in Isaiah, he is wearing the breastplate of righteousness. He is donning the helm of salvation. But you know what else he's wearing? The garments of vengeance. And you notice that's not in Ephesians 6. Because it's his armor and he didn't give us that piece. That's for him to wear and him alone. We're
2: called with faith to the Lord of Lords Lord and the King of Kings. So if we live in this...
1: Why you believe about the struggle or the pain. You're putting yourself in prison. Our
2: fresh and raw and tender It does keep.
1: It hurts everyone that we would be a witness for Jesus Christ too. Because our brokenness and our unforgiveness and our resentment and our vengeful
2: nature. So yes,
1: we a witness for the kingdom of God. We minimize our testimony for what Jesus Christ can do in the life of someone else. Because no one wants to look at a person that is filled with resentment and say, I want to have what they have. But when they look at someone who's filled with peace and hope, regardless of their circumstances, that draws people to Jesus Christ. We must forgive because we have been forgiven. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Colossians 3, 13 and 14 imply that we've had an
2: experience of Christ's forgiveness.
1: If we don't truly embrace the forgiveness that we've received from God, if there's a part of us who still believes that forgiveness isn't quite good enough because I'm still an awful person,
2: But when you truly,
1: when you truly understand what God has rescued you from, when you sense the freedom that he's introduced into your life, that you've been set free, then becoming a
2: forgiving person. to become
1: a forgiving person is to regularly reflect on what God has forgiven you of. Not to wallow in the bad things that you've done, but to say, I didn't deserve this restoration. And yet, as a child of God, I will reign forever with the King of Kings. I don't deserve that. And when you wrap your brain around that and more importantly, your soul and your heart around that, you can't help but offer forgiveness. So do you stuff your emotions, do you stuff your feelings down and then declare that you've forgiven? Because that's not true forgiveness. We have to feel the emotions, we have to explore the emotions, and then we have to allow God to heal the emotions. But we're not ruled by our emotions, right? We should not be ruled by our emotions, we should be ruled by God's purpose and will. So the second aspect of forgiveness that we wanna look at today from our story is reflecting on God's purpose. Forgiveness includes reflecting on God's purpose. We're going to continue in Genesis 45, verse 8. No, let's do four, verse four. Please come closer, he said to them.
2: I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery.
1: He said before, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. It was God. God's grace had a greater plan than their treachery. And did you catch what Joseph did there? This is incredible. He says, don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me this place. Joseph is not only forgiving them, but he's beseeching them to forgive themselves. Some of us in here today have to forgive ourselves for something. For some of us, the thing that's blocking us from pursuing God's purpose in our life is not something that someone else done, but the guilt that we have from something we've done. But Joseph had become so free from God's forgiveness and from God's purpose in his life that he not only wants to forgive, he wants them to have that freedom. He's gone so far past resentment and so far past vengeance that he not only has laid down his right to harm them, he's saying, please don't hurt yourself. I want you to be free. I want you to be healed. Verse 6. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. They must have been shocked that he would know this, right? He's prophesying. I knew that the two years was coming and I can tell you there's five more years coming. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. And when he says... I have, uh, God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive. That word alive in Hebrew is more literally remnant. I have created a remnant because I have a promise to fulfill. He created a remnant because he remembers the promise that he made to Abraham. And when he says to preserve many survivors, that more literally means to save with an extraordinary rescue. Verse 7 is the beginning of the fulfillment of God's covenant and promise to Abraham to make him a great nation. This is the beginning of it. And we still see it unfolding. That promise continues to be fulfilled in a greater and greater way. But this is the beginning. After generations of waiting, God says, now I choose you. I choose you to begin to fulfill my promise. And there are promises in other people's lives that God has chosen you to start fulfilling. There are covenants that have been made for people who are suffering and alone and hurting. And you're the plan. You're the plan to start fulfilling the promise he made. God uses people to fulfill his promises. But we must live in a place of grace and hope and forgiveness and here we see God preserving his people for everything else that's to come in this bible now did joseph just come to believe after the fact that what had happened to him was god working or do you think that god revealed it to him and he knew that god was working what do you think you think you, you think god revealed it to him who else You say yes? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that God has been working in Joseph's heart from the very beginning. And you remember the beginning of this story, he was prideful, he was arrogant. At best, he was dumb. But God has refined his heart. God has refined his character where he's now compassionate and forgiving And sees God's plan even in the darkest moments. And then again, Joseph in verse 8, he he says again that God had sent him ahead of them. Joseph repeated three times that God, not them, sent him to Egypt and made him a governor. Even in the harm someone else had caused him, Joseph saw God's plan unfolding. To not only protect him, but to protect his people, his nation, and even his family, even the ones who had harmed him. Now, did God cause Joseph's brother to sin against him? What do you think? Don? No. No, God didn't cause them or force them to sin against their brother. God never tempts people to sin. That's James 1.13, 1 Corinthians 10.13 but he does work people's actions into his plan. Even when someone has bad motives, God is able to greater fulfill his plan. Listen, if God has a purpose for your life, and he does, And if God has put a calling on your life, which he has, there's nothing anyone can do that can stop that fulfillment. You cannot outmaneuver God. I tried. No one else can outmaneuver God. Whatever chess piece they move, God has the counter move. And we'll even use that to bring you into to the purpose that he has for you. So when we ask and we are told by God his perspective on our painful situations, we realize that he didn't abandon us. He never abandoned us. He was working the whole time for our deliverance. And that enables us to forgive.
2: Joseph could forgive his brothers.
1: He had a purpose for his pain. Do you know where forgiveness comes from? Forgiveness comes from a life of gratitude. If we can look at the difficult circumstances in our lives as part of God's plan and be grateful for what he is going to unveil, what
2: automatically become
1: a forgiving person, it becomes part of our nature. Because why would we have resentment towards someone who is helping us follow the plan God has for our lives, regardless of their motive? Can you forgive people who have hurt you? And can you pursue the purpose, seek the purpose God has in it? Because God has a purpose in everything that happens to you. The third thing that we see about forgiveness is that forgiveness includes rebuilding relationships, rebuilding relationships. Now remember, rebuilding relationships is different and forgiving is different than reconciliation. Sometimes there can be reconciliation and sometimes there cannot be reconciliation. Reconciliation requires both people, right? It requires both of us to change. So we we clearly have someone who is in distress over here. I don't know exactly what's going on. But we're gonna stop and we're gonna as the body of Christ, we're gonna pray for that person, whatever is happening. Okay? So if you could just back
2: exactly what is happening in this room right now. We don't know, but we know that you are
1: of healing, and you are a God of hope. And you are a God of restoration. So we pray for that healing. We pray for the restoration of the body. And we pray for the distress. We ask that you would bring complete restoration.
2: Thank that we
1: are a people who can stop and care for one another. And Lord, we pray for you to intervene. We pray for you to be present and to make your Holy Spirit known in an undeniable way. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. So can we build and rebuild relationships? Yes. If both parties are willing to look at what has to happen in their lives and are willing to change toward what they need to have happen or what God needs to have happen in their life. We're going to continue in Genesis 45, verse 9. Joseph says, Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt, so come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all of your children and your grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there are children your household and all your animals will starve. Forgiveness removes resentment, so we are free to help people who have hurt us. Forgiveness removes resentment so we can freely help people who have hurt us. And I would say it even works the other way around. If you allow God to remove your resentment, you will have a nature of forgiveness. If you're willing to look at the things in your life that need healing and let God heal you, And take away that pain, take away the resentment, forgiveness will become a natural byproduct of who you are. So, forgiveness removes resentment, or resentment allows us to forgive and go beyond forgiving. It helps us to help those who are hurting, even if they have hurt us. Now, Joseph had forgiven his brothers, so he wanted. But he also wants to begin steps toward reconciliation, restoring and rebuilding the relationships that had ended tragically over 25 years before that date when he was cruelly sold into slavery by his brothers. that when we heard the title of this message was forgiveness you put up an immediate wall and said it's been too long it's been too many years it's too late to rebuild that relationship it's too late to forgive it's been too long it's not too long it's not too late this was 25 years after they sold him into slavery if God is calling you to call out to someone and restore a relationship, it doesn't matter if it has been 10 years or 20 years or
2: restore.
1: There is no bridge between two human beings that is larger than the bridge that needed to be built between man and God. So if you're in that place where you say it's been too many years, it's been too long, it's it's not salvageable, know that if Jesus Christ is in it and he is moving in your heart right now and he's telling you that this is the time, it is not too long. Jesus Christ can bridge any gap When you allow him to change you, and when you allow him and trust him to change the other person. right? He could have said it would cause too much pain, that it would cause too much reminding of the suffering from his childhood, and just gave them all the food that they needed and sent them back. But instead, he invites them in. He invites them to be. His life again. Verse 12. Then Joseph added, Look, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin that I really am Joseph. Go tell my father, so my honored, go tell my father about my honored position here in Egypt. Describe For him, everything you have seen. And then bring my father here quickly. And weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin. And Benjamin did the same. The embrace of reconciliation can be healing. Some of you know... how awful that went, and I won't go into all the details of what that was like, but New York was the worst part of my life. And there came a time when I didn't know if I would see my family again. And all of my stuff was there, and I had to get it out. And reluctantly, I called on my baby brother, like Benjamin was to Joseph. And at the time, my brother, I don't think he had ever left New Hampshire, He was young. He'd never left the state, but he got in his pickup truck, and he drove into the heart of Manhattan to rescue me. And that embrace with my brother, there's been no other like it. The embrace of reconciliation is healing. Because God is in it. Verse 15. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin and Benjamin did the same. And then Joseph kissed his brothers, each of his brothers, and he wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. Now, up until this moment, they were terrified, and they weren't speaking. They were stunned. But that hug between Benjamin and Joseph, that reconciliation, made their hope real. And in that moment, they became brothers again. True brothers. Reconciled. Now, for some of us, we think that forgiveness comes easy, but that's probably not real forgiveness because real forgiveness requires searching not what they did, but how we feel about it, who we are, what God wants to change in us. Some of us think forgiveness is easy because we then put the person out of sight and we never want to have anything to do with them again. We feel fine so long as we don't have to look at them and we don't have to interact with them and we don't have to talk to them. But true forgiveness is looking for the ability to reconcile. It's looking for a reason to build relationships. Always in a healthy way. I remind you. Like Perry said, don't just go back into the same unhealthy situation over and over and over again. But you should be looking for routes to reconciliation. Is God working to heal that person, and are they accepting that help? And are you allowing God to change you? Interacting with the family could have subjected Joseph to more painful memories, right? He could remember all the things that his brothers had done to him. Each one of them had treated him poorly his whole first part of his life. And he was risking bringing back all those old memories. But relationship was more important to him in his healing than the risk of pain. And knowing that the pain can bring even deeper healing. If we've truly forgiven someone who have wounded us, we no longer resent them. So we'll take practical steps to offer assistance where they need it. Are you willing to fully attempt to rebuild your broken relationships? Remember that the person that you may need to forgive most in order for that to happen is you. It might be that you're holding so much against yourself that the relationship can't be restored. Forgiveness also includes relying on God. Because trust me, you cannot forgive on your own strength. Forgiveness includes relying on God. Verse 16. The news soon reached Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have arrived. Pharaoh and his officials were all delighted to hear this. Remember that for a moment. They were delighted to hear that Joseph's brothers had arrived. Pharaoh said to Joseph, "'Tell your brothers this is what you must do. "'Load your pack animals "'and hurry back to the land of Canaan, "'then get your father and all your families "'and return here to me. "'I will give you the very best land in Egypt, "'and you will eat from the best that the land produces.'" Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, take wagons from the land of Egypt to carry your little children and your wives and bring your father here. Don't worry about your personal belongings because you're going to have the best of all the land that Egypt has to offer. All the best of Egypt is yours. Now I want to remind you of something. How do Egyptians feel about Hebrews? Hebrews. Louder, I'm filling in for Perry. So you have to be as loud as you are when Perry's here. They didn't like him. That's right. They didn't like Hebrews. They didn't want to eat with them. They didn't want to be near them. And certainly Pharaoh would feel that way. Yet here's Pharaoh delighted that these Hebrews have come and saying, I'm going to give you the best of everything I have. That's a pretty big turn, isn't it? because make no mistake, the feelings that the Egyptians had for the Hebrews was absolute, pure racism. But you know what defeats racism? Integrity and relationship. Integrity and relationship. We don't defeat racism now and they don't do it then with memes or sarcasm Or disrespect of our leaders we overcome racism by acting with integrity and then building relationships with people who are different than us because what we see here is that Joseph lived a life of integrity and he built a relationship with Pharaoh and based on the relationship that Pharaoh had with Joseph and his respect and his love for him and the integrity with which Joseph lived, it broke down the walls of what made them different. And now Pharaoh is inviting his whole family, generations of these Hebrews into his land and says, I'm not only going to let you be here, I'm going to give you the best of everything because I've seen the integrity and the
2: love of In
1: this world, then we need to start living with integrity, and we need to stop disrespecting people and start loving people. That's what we need to do.
2: integrity and relationships. Integrity
1: through Christ. We receive our love through Christ. And we build relationships in Christ. Right now, he knew how his people would respond, but he gave them the best. And that's where Jacob's family would begin to grow and expand and prosper. Then in Genesis 45, 21 through 23,
2: clothes and he gave
1: five outfits to Benjamin and 300 pieces of silver and, and they went back and they found Jacob and he sent ten male donkeys and ten female donkeys and there's this huge caravan returning to Canaan. And we pick up in verse 24. So Joseph sent his brothers off and as they left he called after them. Don't quarrel about all this along the way. He's reminding them. Forgiveness for yourself as well. And they left Egypt and returned to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. And imagine this moment when they are standing in front of Jacob and say, Joseph is alive. Joseph is alive. And he's the governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob was stunned at the news. He couldn't believe it. But when, he repeated, but when they repeated it to Jacob, and they said everything Joseph had told them, and when he saw the wagons Joseph had sent to carry him, their father's spirit revived. Then Jacob exclaimed, it must be true. My son Joseph is alive, and I must go see him before I die. What a beautiful moment of hopelessness turning into hope. And remember, Joseph needed
2: to bring this huge caravan of supplies. But Joseph's relationship
1: now there will be reconciliation between Jacob and Joseph. But make sure you understand. Joseph couldn't control Pharaoh. Jacob couldn't force Pharaoh to have this reaction. But God could. God could, and he did, to the people.
2: to bring you into your purpose. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. And but you can stop in the middle of the road and refuse to move forward. In the center of the road saying, i But
1: God will move in the minds, in the hearts, in the actions of the people who try to oppose you. And no one can stop you from fulfilling the, purpose, the, meaning, the meaning and the purpose and the calling that he has put on Brookwood Church. If we, together, are willing to follow the road and start living a life of love and forgiveness and hope and mercy... And joy. When we forgive and we attempt to reconcile relationships as far as we can on our part, we can't control the other person. But God can. God can send the Holy Spirit to break down the most stony heart and turn it into flesh. So pray that we are aligned with his will and his plan and pray that for others.
2: It's the most popular kitchen hanging.
1: Yes, all this whole section has it in their, in their kitchen. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for your good and not for your disaster. They're to give you hope and a future. If you are struggling with a heart of unforgiveness Or there is something that you feel like you need forgiveness for. You need to forgive yourself. Or if you just feel like you don't truly understand the forgiveness that God is offering you. The forgiveness God has given you. That will change your perspective. In the care connection room out in the concourse. But let's move forward in forgiveness and love to change this community. Let's stand for a blessing. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of forgiveness. Forgiveness that we do not deserve. Forgiveness that we have not earned. Forgiveness for things that are unbearable. And yet you took a weight and you put it on the cross. You put it on your son so that it could be nailed to the cross. And so I pray that you would reveal that truth in a new way to us. That you would reveal it in such a way that we become a people who are
2: known for
1: Make us a people who makes a difference in the community because we have experienced your grace and love. We give you praise and I ask a blessing on this group as we go out into the world to represent you. And we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.
0: Here's this week's memory verse, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one another who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must also forgive. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Next week, we'll conclude the Living with Integrity series as we explore the life of Joseph together. To prepare, read Genesis chapters 46 through 50. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to stay up to date on this series, Living with Integrity. If you like what you've been hearing, please leave a review so that others can discover how they can have a transformed life in Christ. You can watch a video of this week's message, Listen to Worship, or search through the message archives. Just visit our website, brookwoodchurch.org, slash watch, or download the Brookwood Church app. To get connected at Brookwood, just email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org, or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our Connections team. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.